1: Hello, 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 good fucking morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Thank you so much for being here. This is Ask Floss. This is the section of my podcast where I get to answer all of your burning questions and I completely enjoy myself while doing it. I get to give unprofessional advice based on my experiences. That's a disclaimer, by the way, none of this advice is professional. (laughs) I hope that it helps some of you. So let's get straight into it. Okay, today's first question. Do you have any podcast recommendations? Yes, Dr. Tamer Bryant's podcast, Homecoming. And the great thing about her podcast, is that it's just her talking and she does these short little bursts and they make you feel, well, i talk for myself, they have made me fucking feel so incredible. She has these little bursts of empowerment. When I'm going on a bike ride, I like to listen to her episodes because it just gets me in such a good mood. She always changes my perspective on things. I think Dr. Tamer is incredible. She's also a guest, has been a guest on this podcast. That's why I invited her on my show. I think she is incredible. So I would definitely re- recommend Homecoming by Dr. Tamer. Okay, on to the next question. How can you know if you should rebuild trust for someone or walk the other way? Okay, so I recently had a situation like this and I was faced with someone who had betrayed my trust and it was within like a few days. It was a big kind of trust betrayal. And I thought this is that pivotal moment in forming a connection with someone where you either ignore the red flags or you choose to see them and have foresight instead of hindsight a month down the line when you say, well, why am I surprised that this person dicked me over? Because a month ago, they already lied to me. So I would say trust your gut. If you have a little like squirmy feeling and someone has betrayed your trust, it's hard to come back from it. And when trust personally, when trust is broken, it's really hard for me to trust that person again. And the self-respect kicks in and I have to walk away. I didn't always used to be like that. I used to rationalize uh, away the the incident. Um, but that is what You call trauma bonding. People think that trauma bonding is exchanging stories of trauma with another person and becoming friends with them. So you bond over trauma, but that's not it. Trauma bonding is what happens with someone and an abusive person or a manipulative person, where you where you rationalize the things they do to you, and it actually bonds you more to that person through the things that they perpetually do. And the more things you forgive of that person, the more trauma bonded you become to them, and the harder it becomes to leave a relationship. And also, just another hideous fact. It takes women on average seven times, seven attempts to actually leave an abusive relationship. So I think for me, once that first thing of trust is gone, let's say someone's cheated on you, they told um, someone something really personal about you that you told them not to say, I would walk away at that first uh, sight of disrespect for sure so that you don't forgive it. And if once you forgive the one thing, they're like, right, well, I can do anything now, unfortunately, unfortunately. That is what a lot of people think, and that's just the reality, and it's disgusting. Okay, next question. I wanted to ask, how important do you think it is to come out to those closest to you? There's a lot of pressure for queer people to be their authentic selves publicly once they know their sexuality, but where do other people fit into that acceptance? Hmm. How important do you think it is to come out to those closest to you? I think it is important and also isn't important. It's important to come out to those closest to you because it means that you'll be able to be more yourself. It means that it will reveal to you who's actually your friend also. Uh, But it's also not important because I understand it can be quite dangerous. If you don't have other queer friends, that might be quite scary. There's the expectation, there's people looking at you differently. And I know that it's really scary And when you're ready, that step will change your life. And I think you can only really do it when you're confident enough to. And I understand also that for some people, coming out isn't a choice. The way that they dress, the way they look, the way they talk, those things all speak for them. So if you do have the choice, because maybe stereotypically you pass a straight uh, and you want to come out to those around you, I would like to just remind you that you almost need to be prepared to be misunderstood. And so to be prepared to be misunderstood, you need to fully feel confident in yourself and because other people might plant seeds of doubt or make you feel uncomfortable so I'd say once you're at a place where you feel good in yourself you can tell people but also equally just tell them even if you're not ready but be prepared for the fact that some people might not respond the way you want them to my mum asked all kinds of weird questions uh specifically will I still have grandkids when I came out um <laughs> She'd be embarrassed if I said that to her now but that was one of the things that she said. So just be prepared for all kinds of ignorant stuff and to be able to stand in, like with two feet into your sexuality and be ready for people to ask all kinds of weird questions if they're straight. Okay, on to the next question. What's your favorite film? Immediately I thought of Great Gatsby just because of how beautiful it is and the soundtrack is absolutely phenomenal the flapper dresses the little apartment um with w- his mistress's apartment the whole thing it's absolutely gorgeous and I love the book so immediately I thought Great Gatsby there's probably one that I love more but that was the initial one I was just obsessed with it when it came out in the cinema I literally ran home from school and went to the cinema to see it it's gorgeous Okay, on to the next question. Hey Floss, after listening to the bisexuality episode, I wondered if any other bisexuals have this feeling that I do. I've dated both men and women, but when I date men, I feel like I also want a woman too. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I don't get that feeling when I'm with a woman though. I don't have an urge to also be with a man. I could class myself as polyamorous. I've had open relationships before, but currently in a monogamous relationship with a man who I love, but I still get these feelings that I'm longing for a female connection too. Yes, I totally fully relate to this. It's because men can't give you the same levels of intimacy and empathy that a woman can. So a man can be the most incredible, assuring, kind partner. I'm speaking for myself, but personally, he would never be able to give me that level of empathy and understanding of even what it's like to be a woman that a woman can. I think it's totally normal to also crave that kind of intimacy. Yeah. And you know what it was for me? It was I didn't watch any queer programs for ages. And then I remember watching this TV show and it it showed this hookup scene between these two girls. And I remembered how different it was to be with a woman than it was being with a man. And it's just a different level of intimacy. It's very intense with women. And it's just it's so different. It's completely different to dating men especially if, if the man you're with is straight and he's not bi and he's not queer. I understand needing to be in touch with that part of yourself as well. I totally relate to that. Okay, on to the next question. As a freelancer, do you allow yourself days off from working? How do you stay motivated? So no, um, I'm, and I'm not saying that's the way to do it and that's not healthy. I've spoke on this podcast before about how I definitely don't relax as much as I should. How do I stay motivated... I'm charged by goals. So I'm really charged by deadlines. I'm charged by the people around me reminding me that I can create amazing things. Um, That's really great for me. I think if I didn't have the people around me and my team to be like, this could come next for you. This is what you'd be really good at. Have you tried this? That kind of prompting is really great for me. I really miss being in school, right? Where you have those prompts. Or when I was at uni or college, you have those prompts from a teacher or someone. And I think creatively, I personally need that. I need those prompts for someone to go, where's that chapter this week? Or this is going to be, you know, we need to record this podcast episode or something like that. I really require prompts to keep me on track. Otherwise, as a freelancer, yeah, you have to create everything yourself. And I was really good at that for, a f- for the first few years. And now I'm like allowing other people to help me also create that stuff. Okay, on to the next question. Where are your leopard print teacups from? My mum bought them for me from a shop online. I don't know where. Um, but they come in these little cute little boxes and my mum just buys one for me every year because I end up smashing them. I'll ask my mum and get back to you on Instagram. Okay, on to the next question. How do you manage to rest and take care of yourself? So someone already just asked me this question. I think it was, uh, do you allow yourself off days from working? How do I manage to rest and take care of yourself? It's kind of a similar answer. I take care of myself by, I love bike rides that's really good for me it makes me feel incredible afterwards i dread the thought of going out on it but then once i'm out on it i really enjoy it and then afterwards i feel spectacular facetiming my mum every single day pretty much she's like a a check-in point for me she's an incredible listener i love her so much facetime my mum a lot so that's probably a bit of bit of good self-care there for me sticking to my rituals in the morning and also making sure that i get the boring things done Okay, now I've wrapped up all your questions. We're going to move on to advice. Okay, here we go. How the fucking fuck do I get back out there? I'm a single mum. I've been single for three years after leaving a narcissistic ex, the daughter's father. I've healed my shit and love myself a lot. I want to date again, but I have no idea how to even be a person that talks to another person. Oh, God. Um. I want to say first of all congratulations on not only leaving this person oh my god it's the hardest thing to do i can't even imagine having kids and all the horrific guilt that came with that i felt guilty for leaving uh my horrific relationship and i didn't even have children so i just want to say you're a fucking champ congrats because i just think that's amazing how do you even get back out there so the way I went back out there after all that stuff was, well, I'm, I'm a person who likes to do things that scare me. So that might be a bit frightening to some people, but I went straight onto dating apps and I learned along the way and I dated the wrong people again. That's, that's another thing I want to say. Don't get so perfectionistic about it that you don't trust yourself not to walk away if another situation arises. I think you realize how healed you are and also how much more healing you have to do, you're never going to be healed when you date other people again because you see the same patterns crop up. I think it's also good to check in with a friend because if you're really scared about being intimate with someone again, a friend can be a really good accountability checkpoint and don't hide the bad stuff from them when you do go on dates. Okay, next question. What do you do when your friends tell you that they hate themselves? Oh, Oh my God, it's the most depressing thing you look at your friends as these gorgeous, gorgeous angels. And you've also seen all their shit. You've seen them be messy and still you love them and they don't love themselves. And I think that's probably the most annoying thing is that we see other women as whole, complete beings. And we've really struggled to see ourselves in the same way. So I would maybe encourage them to talk about how they feel about you. Because how your, your friend wouldn't dare talk about you in the way that they talk about themselves. That was a game changer for me. Also, you can't convince someone to love themselves. I would say try to be the light and be the example. And then it, it, it can only rub off on your friends. But the moment you start to tell your friends advice when they don't ask for it is the moment they'll probably double down on not doing the thing. Okay, on to the next question. Hey Florence, how the fuck do I stop craving male attention and reassurance? I'm 20 and I've been going on dating apps for a year now. So I've become addicted to constantly having boys to talk to, but nothing good has come from it. I need a detox, but how do I stop myself from falling back into old habits? How do I truly enjoy being single and not constantly be looking at every guy like he could be a future boyfriend or source of flirtation and attention? I consider myself a pretty confident person, but I still always crave male attention. Help. Okay. So there was a lot in that. And I want to say first of all, if dating apps, if all the doors are being slammed in your face with something and, and it's not working, it's not, you're knocking on these doors and nothing's happening. Perhaps it's time to delete the dating apps um, and to wean yourself off male validation. Easier said than done. Okay. It's not going to be, you'll definitely relapse. You'll, you'll re-download the dating apps again. And I'm totally speaking from experience. You'll be hungover on a Sunday feeling like shit and you'll download Hinge again. (laughs) and then a load of other people start doing that as well and so you get way more attention and then you'll match with someone and then on Monday you're like what kind of headspace was I in to match with this person so it's just kind of this really bad feedback loop you get that when you feel bad you reach for the phone to get the attention and then you feel the same because it's not actually the kind of attention you want it sounds like you're probably looking for something more fulfilling or even more than that, that you're looking to like yourself on your own. And the only way to do that is practice being on your own. Try and cultivate the same joy that you get from this validation through yourself through, through spending time with yourself. And I want to know also, it's not going to be as hot and spicy as the attention that you'll get from men. It's not going to be this quick short burst. It's going to be more than that. It's going to be this long lasting sustained joy that you can look at yourself in the mirror and be like, wow, I made myself feel good. I did something for myself today that felt like quality time. I always feel productive when I've done something that was a little bit hard, but I got through it and afterwards I feel so much more fulfilled and that's a kind like self-love is the best fucking high on earth so yeah I would maybe try to spend more time with your friends and then try try taking yourself out for a little solo day and by the way no one's going to be looking at you no one's going to be looking at you thinking what is this person doing on their own no one's going to be thinking that get that thought entirely out of your head take yourself out Okay, on to the next question. Hey, Floss, I'm not too sure how to word this. I find myself having sex with people that make me feel so shitty after, and I know this, but I can't seem to stop. It's almost like I'm sabotaging myself as I'm desperate for that bit of attention and feeling close to someone. Any advice on how I can break the cycle I found myself in? If you're meeting these people through dating apps, definitely try to delete the dating apps. If you're finding that the problem is that you're having sex with people and you're leaving feeling really shit, then there's a pattern here and you're probably going into the sex wanting something that you're not getting through bodies being together physically. Intimacy is not always guaranteed when you have sex with someone. Sure, there's physical intimacy, but the emotional intimacy and attention that you're craving probably isn't present during these encounters because intimacy, like the emotional intimacy that it sounds like you require, takes a long time to build with someone. So you need to be honest about what you're going to these casual sex sex hookups for, are you going in wanting to be wooed off your feet, you know, like romantically, Um, then that's probably not going to come from casual sex. If you really want an interesting conversation with someone you want to be seen and heard and listened to, then going to have casual sex hookup with someone might not give you that. So I'd say probably try to re-engineer what you go into casual sex with. And if you feel that you're trying to be cool about it. Like the cool girl thing, just it never works. And it's an absolute falsehood because you end up just suppressing your feelings anyway and leaving encounters feeling like shit and you deserve so much better than that. Okay, on to the next question. Advice for living alone. I'm just about to get my own flat and I'm terrified. So the opposite for me is now true. I'm terrified of living with someone because I've got so used to not compromising. Things are exactly where I leave them. Oh, it's so good. I am responsible for everything looking how it is, for the decorations. There's no one else's pictures on my walls. It's beautiful. So I actually have the opposite. So I'm the queen of living alone. And I think it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. It means I can dance in my knickers. It means I can walk around naked. Everything is beautifully mine and laid out exactly how I want it. I just don't even want to put any negative spins on living alone. Well, I'll be real if you're not used to living alone I remember when I broke up with my ex what was weird was not having the um the rapport so like the rapport of waking up in the morning and saying good morning to someone that's different so tips for loneliness when living alone play lots of music listen to podcasts while you cook oh god living alone it's so beautiful I'm honestly so excited for you I can't wait Okay, on to the next question. I'm thinking of casting a spell on a guy I like so that he falls me. Have you tried witchcraft? No, I haven't tried witchcraft. I've dated women who are witches. And also, I always feel like I don't know a lot when I'm friends with or dating someone who's a witch. And I like that. I really like not knowing things. So I'd say I'm not the person to give you any advice on casting a spell to get someone to like you. But my personal opinion on that is, if it's not for you, it's not for you. And if you have to do something to get someone to like you anyway, is it really for you? I think... Probably not, but maybe that's just my cynical opinion. or I'm just being realistic, but I would never want to make someone like me through if they didn't, if it wasn't already there, I wouldn't want to like will someone into liking me because also I feel like that would come from a place of scarcity where you're kind of panicking that someone doesn't like you um, when there are so many options out there for you, even if none of them are around the corner and none of them are like right in front of you. You have to trust that something better is waiting for you. And I like to think that if someone wants to be in your life, then they'll make themselves known. Okay, on to the next question. I just had a question about referring to yourself as gay, even though you're bi. It's something I do, but have become really conscious that I'm somehow appropriating something that isn't mine. And also think that it's just perpetuating the bi erasure. Wondered what your thoughts were. So I just love the word gay. And as someone, I'm. this is also the most, the most bisexual thing ever. Um, I've read a lot about this online, is to flip between using different labels. So for me, I actually agree, It's it does perpetuate the bi erasure, But depending on the circumstance, if someone's not taking me... I feel like people don't take me seriously when I say I'm bi. Like they think that I just want to kiss girls when I'm drunk when I say I'm bi, particularly because I'm feminine. If you're not bi, people don't actually believe that you're queer. So sometimes... I'll just say, yeah, I'm fucking gay, I'm gay. And when you say the word gay, people actually imagine that you would seriously date a woman. And then when you say I'm bi, people think that it's just this like funny little quirky personality trait. So I just say it sometimes because that's how I feel and I want people to take my sexuality seriously. It depends who I'm talking to, honestly, and the context of the situation. I would never use, like, a lot of lesbian women reclaim the D-Y-K-E word. I would never say that about myself because I'm not. And I've also never been called that word. Um, But gay? Yeah. Like, when I'm on a date with a woman, that's fucking gay. (laughs) So I just say it's gay. I personally don't have any problems with it. And I just, I feel like the the word gay feels empowering to me. And that's, I feel gay a lot of the time. Okay, on to the next question. Is it shallow to end a relationship when everything is perfect except you're not being sexually fulfilled? No, you can end a relationship for literally any reason. You are under no obligation to stay with anyone. I understand why you feel guilty. God, I would feel exactly the same in the situation. But as an outsider who isn't emotionally attached to a person who's not fulfilling me in bed, I can tell you that it is not a selfish decision. What I would also recommend before ending it is communicating with the person. Have you ever even spoke to this person and told them how you like to be fucked? That's like healthy sex tip 101. Communicate with the person to say, let me assume you have a pussy for a second. Are you telling them, I don't like it when you finger me. I like it when you do this. Or are you just protecting their ego and moaning while they fuck you because you don't want to hurt their feelings? I would definitely have the brave confidence. If you really, really like this person, just tell them how to fuck you and take it from there. Okay, on to the next question. What's your favourite jewellery piece you own? Okay, definitely my own ring with the lips. Um, It's something I've dreamed about for ages. It took me so long to design as well because I needed the lips to look a specific way. So probably my own ring and also my F stamp Gucci ring. That's my favourite and I wear it every day. Okay, on to the next question. Opinion on sex bots. I honestly don't know what a sex bot is. I'm just going to assume that it's a robot you have sex with. Um, my immediate opinion is that it's not for me, but maybe some people have a fear of intimacy. Also, everyone, have the, everyone has their kinks. I don't know. Are, they, are these women's sex bots? Do they have massive tits, blonde hair, and a gaping mouth? In that case, that would be incredibly dehumanizing and objectifying and a bit gross, but also... I don't really know. Um, I don't want to kink shame anyone. And that's that's fine. If that's what you want to have sex with, go and fuck a sex bot. Anyway, <laughs> on to the next question. What do you do when someone makes you feel like you're not good enough? Okay, so I have this phrase that I say, I refuse to give you permission to control my emotions. I do not give you that power. I do not give you the power to stir up doubt and leave a stinky stench in my mind. And you tell yourself that in your head until it's true. I do not give you the power. I do not give you control over my emotions. Tell yourself that. Do not let the shame penetrate your mind. And I know it's easier said than done because you will, the doubt will still creep in, the thoughts will spiral. But the more I said that to myself, the more it became true. I refuse to let you fuck up my mood. I almost view it as like this like beautiful swirl in my head. And then someone kind of like leaving a brown, stinking shit in my mind. I literally just tell myself, just like, put it over there. I'm not going to let it penetrate the bubble. I'm not going to let it. And also, I like to take deep breaths. People constantly talk down to me because of uh, my age. And I've just got this solid sense now where I'm like, you can't. What empowers me is not going into defense of myself. It's just going, okay, that's cool. You can think that. That's fine. And just like moving on from it. And there's nothing people hate more than when their words don't affect you. So just almost talk to them like they're a child blabbing on about something that you don't understand. Okay, that's nice. And just carry on with your day. Okay, on to the next question. If someone I'm seeing has a lot of childhood trauma, can it be a healthy relationship? Absolutely People who have been through shit can either be the most resilient partners or they can be the most abusive, I've found. Like people with narcissistic personality disorder usually have the most horrendous childhoods, but also the most incredible, resilient, kind-hearted people have the most uh, horrific childhoods as well. I think it's how people deal with their pain. Um, Sometimes it's in their control, sometimes it's not. Of course you can, but the responsibility of healing is on them. And it's so hard when you love someone, especially if you're codependent. If you haven't read the book, Codependency No More, I highly recommend it. It's really hard to draw the line between where you can help your partner and where you can't. But that book really helped me. Of course you can have a healthy relationship, but they need to be someone who takes responsibility for that and doesn't project it onto you. Okay, on to the next question. Your thoughts on the saying don't wait for the storm to pass, learn to dance in the rain. I think that's great. Um, There's also another one which is similar, which is about learning how to ride the waves, right? Not letting them crash over you, but learning how to surf over them because they are absolutely inevitable, just like a storm is inevitable. I think that's a great quote, but also you don't have to dance and you don't have to enjoy the shit times. If that feels inauthentic to you, I, I I would advise not to do anything that feels inauthentic to how you're feeling, because then you're just going to be creating this state in your mind of cognitive dissonance where you're split and you're like, I'm, I'm lying to myself even more. There's nothing worse than like going on social media, pretending that you're having a great time and really you're sat at home crying and it feels even more horrific to pretend that you're okay. So if you're feeling shit, let yourself feel shit. Okay, now on to advice. I started post-grad law today. Advice, please, on Mean Girls. We've asked a group of girls from another firm if they had dinner plans after a lecture. One of them said, we're going, just us. Oh, it really hurts my heart. And you know what's funny is my head always goes to uh, justifying it. So like, maybe there wasn't enough people at the table. (laughs) Maybe they made a booking and there wasn't enough people at the table. And that's what's really awful is my blinkers come on when it comes to women and the stuff that they say. My advice on mean girls is that the way that women communicate aggression is a lot more passive than it is direct. And so I'm just going to tell you how to handle mean girls. Do not match that energy because you're above that. You're above that shit. You're above being mean. You're above being passive. If someone, for some reason, isn't making it clear that they don't like you and they're they're storing all of this weird energy, walk away like you don't want to be friends with those people anyway. These are also the kinds of people who, when you're looking great and being successful, they'll they'll try and come back. And in that moment, you'll have the power to say, no, I, I promise you, the power will come back around. And if it doesn't, just... Oh, these kinds, they're just not even worth your time. These people are not worth your time. But I also just want to validate that I totally understand that women have this kind of access to our emotions that is just so different to the way that men hurt us. It's a lot more passive. Um, and I would also av- advise Googling relational aggression. Google relational aggression if you're having problems with mean girls. It literally explains everything. And it changed my life. Okay, on to the next question. Hi Florence, I've recently broken up with my partner who I thought was the one. He told me out of the blue after a 12 hour shift in work that he wanted to end it and work on his mental health alone. He said he wanted to work on it and hopefully get back together. He asked me to move out and I had to totally rebuild my life. We kept in regular contact. Six weeks later, he told me he was going on a date and that he wanted to tell me as he felt guilty. We've slept together twice since he broke up with me and I don't know why I cannot cut this man off after all the hurt he has caused me. I've thrown myself into the gym and working on feeling better about myself and he still messages me daily. Initially, I don't want to cut off contact as he was giving me the hope it would work out and there are finances that he needs to resolve with me. I recently unexpectedly met someone else and I don't want this to cast a shadow over a potential new relationship. Please help. I think you know what you need to do and I'm so glad that you found a new person because this is like your ticket out of this. I would cut any kind of attachment that you have to this person. You deserve it clearly he's keeping you on the back burner while he dates this other person to see if she's worth leaving you for and I know that that's really brutal but it's because it's happened to me I've had someone try something with me and not tell me that they were actually with someone else because they weren't sure if I was worth leaving the actual relationship that they were in for um it's not a nice feeling and I totally empathize with your situation of going back to him and all this kind of stuff Um, but you're just prolonging what is inevitable and that is that you two are clearly not meant for each other because someone who loved you would not push you out of their life and keep you stringing along like this you know e- even someone who deserved to be with you w- w- would be emotionally mature enough to say I can't be what you need right now I'm really sorry and just break it up it sounds like he doesn't want to cut this tether to you and I just think he can't have his cake and fucking eat it he's giving you crumbs and you deserve the whole fucking cake you deserve so much better than this and make try it out with this new person and you know what If it doesn't work out with this new person and you're left with no one, promise me you won't go back to the guy. Promise me. Because being alone is so much better than having mediocre company, especially when you know it's just going to end up in this loop of perpetually going back to this person. Uh, He does not deserve that kind of drop in and out access to you. You're more than that. You deserve to have someone who's wanting to be a willing and active participant in creating joy in your life not causing you misery and confusion. You deserve so much better than that. And walking away is how you tell yourself that. You do it through your actions. Okay, on to the next question. How long to wait until someone texts you back? I asked someone to meet up for a date and they've not replied. Well, is is this a week or is this a few hours? That's not specified in here. Okay, if I've been on a date with someone, let's say I've been on a date with a girl, it went really well, we said, yeah, love to see you soon. And then I'm like, hey, let's arrange that second date. And they don't text back for a week, but they've been posting on social media and they've been ignoring the text and actively ignoring me. I'm instantly getting the vibe that they're not into it. I'm probably going to try and forget about it. You know, if it's been a week. Yeah, I'd say a week. Based solely on how I interact with someone when I definitely want to go on a date with them. If I definitely want to go on a date with you, I'm replying to your text where you ask me to go on a date because oh my God, I can't fucking wait to plan this shit, you know? If it's not a fuck yes, it's a no. And anyone who's taking a week to reply to you doesn't feel fuck yes about you. And that is okay. This person might be emotionally unavailable. You might remind them of someone who hurt them. If you're a kind, generally kind person, and you're not an asshole, very rarely are the things that people do to you about you. So yeah, I, I personally wouldn't arrange a date with someone if they took, you know over a week to get back to it okay on to the next question I'm in a long distance relationship that's fine when we're together but toxic when we're apart when you say toxic that's such a broad word toxic when you're apart if any relationship is any kind of toxic when you're apart what, what is that is, are, are you cheating on each other like I don't know it does not sound like something you need though It sounds like one person's probably compromising because one person doesn't actually like the long distance part. Also, it's causing you so much stress. You you, you know, you've used the word toxic. I'm going to assume maybe it's controlling or there's cheating. I don't know. Again, such a vague question. I definitely would need more information to answer this properly and give it the justice it deserves. But any kind of relationship that doesn't make you feel good about yourself and is causing you extra stress there's there's, t- you know there's two types of stress there's, there's normal stress in a relationship because relationships are hard and you have things to work through right but then there's the stress of um, someone causing you stress and someone making you doubt yourself and c- causing chaos that is not something that you need in your life that's all we've got time for this week but I will be back with another batch of Ask Floss next week can't wait to see you next week love you bye